0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of HP Critical, a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I am Drell and I am joined by Kelly.
1: Hi everybody!
0: And the brand man himself, Brandon.
1: What's up?
0: And uh, we have a ton of stuff to get through today, so if you guys are okay with it, I think I'll just go ahead and get started. Um, Rolling start! (laughs) I know that um... I know that I said that I was going to have a, a guest on today, but I actually canceled that just because I felt like we were talking about some crazy, serious stuff, along with some, you know, fun things for the week. Um, and just because of that, I decided I'll just go ahead and have um have the regular crew here for today, if that's okay with you guys. I hope so. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't either. matter. Cause it's, it doesn't matter. it's already happening. That's what I'm saying. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't No, I veto matter. this, Jarrell. Where's our guest, damn it? Um, and Call been, uh... Grayson right now. <laughs> And it's actually been a really great year um, for a HP Critical Podcast. So um, Kelly was wonderful enough to remind me of a video from a year ago that was posted. So it's just it's crazy how how time flies and how I'm so lucky to come back with you guys every week. And um, speaking of you know the past times and things that have happened, um, you know what? No. Instead, I think I'm going to go straight into um, some of the more serious things that have happened this week. And we're going to start with uh, the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, And I wanted to discuss some of the... uh, reactions in the video game community and how some of the uh, video game uh, developers and companies have responded. Um, because I thought it was pretty important uh, to, to, to understand and recognize um, how some of these companies are handling the situation. And there's an article over at thegamer.com, written by Rhiannon Bevan, titled The Supreme Court Can Go F Itself, How the Game Industry is Responding to Roe V. Wade. Um, and instead of reading all of this to you, I will point out some of the uh, companies that were mentioned here, which include Bethesda, uh, where they have a tweet that says, We believe the ability to make choices about one's body and lifestyle is a human right. Um, Hours later, Xbox echoed the sentiment, stating, at Xbox, we remain committed to our employees to ensure equal access to healthcare. Our US health plans cover lawful medical services like abortion and gender affirming care. And we recently extended our travel benefits to include travel expense support assistance for covered medical services. Um, We also have another one from Bungie. Bungie said that we're committed to ensuring that every one of our employees and their families have safe and affordable access to essential healthcare needs. We will now be implementing a travel reimbursement program for any employee to use when they or a dependent cannot get access to the health care they need where they live. We remain undeterred in our commitment to stand up for reproductive choice and liberty." Um, There's also some from The Sims, because everybody loves The Sims, or actually, I'm talking on the wrong podcast because nobody plays The Sims except for me, here, apparently. Um, (laughs) And they said, We understand today is hard. As a first step, we want to connect you, our community, to a few resources that can help support you at this time. For those of you who play The Sims, the game has always been about being who you want to be, loving who you want to love, and creating the life you want to live. Our game is a reflection of our unwavering belief that everyone has a right to choose how they want to live their life without judgment, including the right to bodily autonomy. As a first step, we want to connect you, our community, to a few resources that can help you support at this time, and then they have, um more on their Twitter account. While Sony hasn't issued its own statement at the time of this writing, it has commented on the matter through PlayStation's various subsidiaries. The media giant was also quick to confirm to a journalist that it would also be covering travel costs for workers who seek an abortion. Um, Team Meat, developer of Super Meat Boy, also commented simply stating the Supreme Court can go fuck itself. Uh, The team followed up with, uh, this isn't about life at all. People with uteruses are going to die, getting unsafe, illegal procedures. Fellow indie developers Certain Affinity also shared that it would be helping its workers relocate if abortion bans in their area are making uh, living there untenable. Respawn said that our support is unwavering for our people. We are committed to expanding our beliefs for U.S. employees and their eligible dependents. Our aim is to provide the care support and services for the health and well-being of our people. Um, there are a bunch of other studios, uh, that have made it clear that they support abortion rights, including Niantic, Ubisoft, EA, Respawn, Devolver Digital, Bethesda, Innersloth, and I Am 8-Bit. Among the business- among the biggest studios to remain silent are, as of the time of this writing, Nintendo, Sega, Gearbox, and Activision Blizzard, the latter of which is hardly surprising, given the fact that CEO Bobby Kotick recently donated thousands to an anti-abortion Republican. That is the end of that article by Rhiannon Bevan. And if, um, it was, if you'd like to see ASP Critical Stance, please head to our, uh, Twitter or Instagram, where we also have, uh, some resources that we would like to share for anyone who might be interested, who might be in need. Our Monday mission recently was to just go and, um, educate yourself and provide any resources for anyone that you also might know. So feel free to do that on our, um, Twitter account. Um, so that's kind of the good. There was, there was a very interesting, um, situation that I do want to talk to you guys about though, which was, uh, Wizards of the Coast has, I don't know if I've spoken about this before, but they've been trying to, uh, leave Hasbro. They've been trying to, uh, separate themselves and have their own company. And Hasbro has pretty much been like, no you can't leave because you're making us a lot of money, so you gotta stay here. Um, and recently they put out a tweet that I'm gonna read for you guys, and it says, We as employees of Wizards of the Coast are frustrated, disappointed, and completely dissatisfied with Hasbro's out-of-touch, tone-deaf, and lackluster response to Friday's Supreme Court's decision to overturn, to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade, excuse me. This decision that healthcare for marginalized individuals is a privilege based on location and means violates basic human rights. At a bare minimum, any ethical organization should be offering healthcare, travel benefits, support, and a clear message of solidarity. Any messaging that suggests or implies that there are other valid opinions and approaches to this further marginalization of already at risk groups on their bodily autonomy is unnecessary, invalid, and damaging. Such messaging only seeks to protect and validate those that seek to control, and is the wrong direction for any organization with as diverse a customer base as ours. Um, On Wednesday, June 29th, all employees are encouraged to take a day to reflect, nurture mental health, and show solidarity that Hasbro will not. Decisions like this cause suffering, and it's this that we ask, on the same day, Hasbro leadership to reflect on. Uh, particularly how messaging like this violates and stands in the face of a a diverse and inclusive workforce and creates yet another burden for already marginalized people. And there's more, which you can go check out on the, uh, Wizards Justice, uh, Twitter account. And the reason I brought this one up is because I think that this is probably, at least for me, one of the most direct and, uh, succinct tweets from a subsidiary of a company about how they actually feel. Um, You know, they straight up say that all companies should be doing what um, I just mentioned all the other companies were doing, which is providing um, healthcare, providing free travel to allow for healthcare. And they also are straight to the point in saying that, you know, anyone who agrees with this, we don't agree with you. This isn't an opinion, this is an issue, which um, a lot of stories in a lot of places have actually backed down from. Um, And and, you know, for various reasons, I'm not here to judge anybody's company, y'all do what y'all will, how you will. Um, But this is probably one of the first companies that I've personally seen that is just like, this is how we stand. We don't agree with Hasbro. Um, anyone who does agree with them, you guys are wrong. Like this isn't a this isn't a back and forth, you're incorrect. Um, and and all these companies are essentially doing doing the bare minimum as they should. Um and so I just want to you guys' thoughts on how you feel about their approach to this.
2: Their approach specifically. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, like you said, it's definitely a lot more straightforward in your face as as far as how they feel about this, whereas the other companies are just like, you know, just trying to show some support, some basic solidarity. But this is like, you know, going directly, letting them know exactly how they feel. There's no two two sides about it to to them. You know exactly how they feel. And honestly, I, I do respect it. I do respect it because I know a lot of companies won't go as far for various reasons both uh, both corporate and otherwise so for them to feel like they can you know the fact that they feel comfortable enough to the, the messages i mean this is not something that like a lot of people are necessarily feel comfortable talking about but i think it's still something that needs to be said regardless so whether you feel you you, you, you uh have to you should or not i'm glad they felt that they could you know
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I don't know. I so I I think their approach was good. Obviously, they need to stand up for what they believe. Um I would say calling out your parent company is probably a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess I'm um glad they did it. I don't exactly know what Hasbro's um like response was to the overturning. I haven't looked at that. Um, but I now I'm very curious. I mean, it clearly wasn't enough. No, um, I just, I don't know. I i I don't know. We're living in really weird times. I'm not really sure how to put my thoughts into words on it. Um, But I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that a lot of companies in the gaming industry are saying something and they're not just being like, you know, well, we're just making video games. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they're saying something. Just because I, I don't know, I guess the more we talk about it, the more like people get educated and realize like what's really going on. Um, Yeah. But I don't really know what to do. I mean, it just feels very like um, hopeless, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that they're they're um, saying something and being so direct. I think was a good decision on their part. Um, unless they're gonna get like laid off by Hasbro now, but I hope not.
0: You know, I think it's so important also that they did this specifically because, uh, just in my own circle personally, like I have met some of the people that work, um, on, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, for example, that work at Wizards of the Coast. A lot of them are LGBTQIA members, right? Like a lot of them are not straight, which is great. Not that there's anything wrong with being straight. Scratch what I said, let me try that again. Um, (laughs) A a lot of the members are LGBTQIA plus that work at Wizards of the Coast. And it is indicative and reflective of uh, some of the content that they put out. Um, You know, when I was able to meet them, one of the first things I said um, was, uh, you know, thank you guys for the art direction and the player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition because it's the first time that you see a video game like, or excuse me, a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons that has a diverse set of artwork. Like, uh, I would show you guys, uh, but I'm not getting up. Uh, (laughs) But you can just go in and just look at, you know, the, the the fighter in that book is a black human female which like is a sub, sub subversion of what you might assume right like uh, the artwork is very diverse and indicative of the type of games um th- that this ttrpg community wants to make um and when you're catering to you know they've done something recently that uh, a lot of people feel different ways about but previously um the way that it worked was kind of just you would pick a, a race and that race would have um, uh, skill sets and abilities tied to it. And one of the things that they wanted to do was say, hey, you know, it's not really cool to have like the dark elves be the bad ones because obviously racism um you know it's not really cool uh to have the orcs just be the big scary bad guys because someone might want to play one that's you know not necessarily in a negative light etc and so they've gone and they've changed the way that that works to allow people to create whatever they want and not be stuck by a set of skills right so like when they're doing things like this in their community to try to make it more inclusive to try to make it better for everyone like um you know hero forge allows you to make minis of your character being able to make a mini of your character in a wheelchair like they've added a bunch of accessible different like things for you to play this game however you want it only makes sense that the people that are working on this that believe in things like allowing you to have a wheelchair in a fantasy world, like even thinking about that, um, would have a certain stance on the situation. And it has to be frustrating because when you're, trying to appeal to a specific demographic that is purchasing your content and you're trying to show them hey we agree with you we're with you we believe in you and we we are a part of you um but your parent company is like not on the same page that can obviously for anyone who's not in the know turn off some of your uh some of your potential consumers and so that's why i think this is such a such a big deal for them specifically because they represent such a group of people, um, or at least they're trying to represent a specific group of people and trying to be inclusive. So if you're trying that hard, it's very hard to um, not be supported in that sense. And um, (laughs) speaking of tryhards, Kyle Rittenhouse um, has Mm. announced (laughs) his new video game to shoot fake news because why not? Uh, Proceeds from the game will go to uh, the acquitted shooter's legal defense against the fake news, um, according to its website. This one, this lovely one is from the Huffington Post, written by David Moye. Um, Yeah, Cal Rittenhouse, who shot and killed two unarmed men during a 2020 racial justice protest is releasing a video game that allows players to shoot turkeys symbolizing the media rittenhouse was acquitted of homicide for the kenosha wisconsin shootings and has become a celebrated figure in white right wing media i said white wing whoopsie right wing media my bad uh his new game announced last thursday amid a push for gun legislation in the wake of mass shootings Features fake news turkeys that are labeled fake news and MSDNC. Um, In a promotional video posted on Twitter, Rittenhouse claims the media is nothing but a bunch of turkeys with nothing better to do than push their lying agenda and destroy innocent people's lives. He's collaborating on the game with Mint Studios, whose CEO Mint Chip told the Washington Examiner that the company had to step in to help Kyle after we saw what was done to him. The game website says some funds will go to legal defense against the fake news. There's going to be some media accountability coming soon, Rittenhouse told Fox News last December, although he has not said who he plans to sue. It's fake news turkey shoot. Got a laser gun going pew pew pew. Follow my suits. We about to bankrupt the fake news. (laughs) That's the rap that was included um, in the promotional oh, video for his oh, video game. Oh, oh, there's a rap, too. Yeah, uh, there's a rap! I am not sharing it because I don't want to share any more of his information. Um, oh, oh. However, yeah, he's making a video game where you can go shoot the fake news turkeys. Um, uh-huh. God, I hope it gets review bombed. Um, yeah, anybody have anything to say on to, that one?
1: I mean, I don't think it's going to need to get review bombed. Like, I think... <laughs> That it's just going to warrant horrible negative reviews because it's going to be so terrible. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine a game. (laughs) Like, can you imagine if, like, O.J. Simpson came out with a game and it was like, oh, watch me, like... Well, I mean, well, they both got acquitted, so I'm going to use the example. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you, like... I, I. I don't know. Can you like imagine if he did that and he was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot the I don't know. I want to say like maybe the police cuz they chased him in the Bronco. Like, I don't know, like I don't know. Just be such a slap in the face to I mean, like He
0: has that book.
1: He has that book where if I did it, yeah. yeah.
0: Which was already like a mm, bad news bear. Well, I mean, <laughs> so
1: it's I guess it's like another person capitalizing off something they did wrong that they got away with. And then blaming the media. Sorry, did the media put the gun in your hand? Did the media put a knife in your hand?
0: None of the Uh, above.
1: Did they put the glove on? No.
0: (laughs) None of the above.
1: I, I, yeah, I, oof. Yeah, I don't think it's going to need to get review bombed, though. I will say that again. Literally, I was
0: just, like, the audacity, like, the gall of you to make a video game where you're shooting turkeys and calling it fake news after... You clearly did something bad. Like you, it's not like you didn't do it. Like listen, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I I no.
1: The only thing is that he didn't like come up with this idea. Somebody looked Mm -hmm. to capitalize on this, and there are going to be people that proclaim his innocence that are going to buy this game to sub to support him to support his legal fund, like. it's, I don't know, like, somebody thought in their mind, like, people were murdered. I'm gonna right? make money. Like, you, like, sir, I- you
0: shot and ki- like, you shot and killed two people, and then this video game company's like, you know what, we'll help you out, because the media is just treating you so badly, even though you shot and killed two people. But it's okay, we're gonna help you make this game, because you were treated so poorly. Like, what about the people you shot and killed? But, you know, who am I? Yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz is also on our docket for today. (laughs) The lovely Ted Cruz. Um, He claims to be the world's most annoying type of gamer, and he waited on loot boxes recently. This is from Vice, um, written by Gita Jackson. Senator Cruz, gamer and fan of Ready Player One. Who fucking knew? Also, it's so crazy, because when I read this one, I was like, wow, who cares? Like, I can't believe that someone cared enough to ask him, because now I hate that he likes Ready Player One, because I like Ready Player One. Um... (laughs) Anyway, a concerned gamer wrote into Senator Ted Cruz's podcast to ask how he feels about loot boxes. Yes, Ted Cruz has a podcast where he talks about loot boxes. Um, we as a society have consequently learned so much more about how Cruz feels about gaming than we ever wanted to know. These are not my words, this is directly from the article. Mm. If you don't immediately associate Cruz with video games, you are forgiven. Normally when one talks about the man, they're talking about the state of gun rights laws in his state of Texas or abortion access or the many times in which he's publicly been embarrassed. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry according to an email read on cruz's podcast he can comment from the failed presidential candidate the internet user Gold wanted to know what the <laughs> wanted to know what the senator's stance on loot boxes was and we now know if you want to know the actual answer to the question it is this like a good libertarian cruz is concerned about scenarios where children are put in harm's way, like being encouraged to gamble, but doesn't believe the government should be involved. When it comes to his personal use, though, apparently Senator Cruz does, in fact, pay to win regularly in video games that he ca- that he claims to play. Um, <laughs> and here's a quote from it. He says, Now I'm something of a gamer. I'm not a gamer like hardcore Twitch streamers, and I don't do the massive multiplayer games. Cruz said. I'll tell you, I don't like it when you can buy in-game items and sort of make your character stronger or get advantages. Now I'll confess that when I play some games, I'll sometimes buy it because it's more fun in some way. Your character has a lot more great stuff that would take you six months or a year to build up. I love the irony in that like you shouldn't do this, this isn't fair, but like me, but- I'm totally gonna do it because like I don't have time to do this, I have to go embarrass myself more in the media. Um, but it's just totally not fair. Yeah, that just I had to share this. I read this, I saw this, and I was like, I feel like I have the need to share this with the listeners of HB Critical. Uh the hypocrisy there. Um Yeah, any 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 comments on Senator Ted Cruz?
1: I feel like now that Ted Cruz has labeled himself as a gamer, I have to find another hobby. Like, right? <laughs> like, right. I can't. I'm, like, literally disgusted. Like, thinking of playing a video game right now, I'm just, like, about to puke. I, I don't even want to. I I just, th- this is, okay, this is my last time on the podcast. I have found a new hobby. <laughs> it's knitting. I have nothing to offer anymore. Um, I just.
0: Hell, yeah, HP yeah. knitting. HP knitting. <laughs> Come to Twitch and watch that knit. I'm not talk about video games at all. I,
1: I don't even like that he knows what Twitch is. It's <laughs> disgusting. Right? I don't. I don't know. Um, of I he guess knows what
2: Twitch is with all its problems.
0: Fair point. Fair
1: point. He yeah.
0: Maybe He's... he'll watch
1: this. We hate you. Please die.
0: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Darrell did not get that reference.
1: Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh,
0: that's right.
1: Because he still has he's got pilgrim. Yes, he's got pilgrim. This next one is called
0: I have the game on
1: switch. That doesn't count, but <laughs> we should still play it. We should still it's play It's a it, though, good reference, though. I'm um, Crash. These are the boys. <laughs> is that girl a boy, too? Anyways, oh god, <laughs> it's such a good movie. Um, <laughs> okay, all <sorry>. right. Um <laughs> Un- yeah. The
0: unexplained things going in my head right now about all the quotes that you're <laughs> saying from this movie just makes me very concerned about this movie.
1: <laughs> it's very good. It's, good. Anyways, it's very Canadian. Uh, anywho, uh, Ted Cruz <laughs> sucks, and I love that they were like the failed presidential candidate. Like, it was I just such a great article. Yeah, it really was. Um, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm glad we brought this up, and it was by Vice, but like, I. I didn't need to know this, so Jarrell, why?
0: <laughs> because I read it, and I was like, well, if I know, everyone has to know. And now we all have to stop buying loot boxes. We cannot be like Ted Cruz. I have, so, not, bought really, a, like, I
2: have not bought a yeah. loot box since the launch of Battlefront
0: 2. No and more I pay to win. And, and I did it once, and I felt disgusting, and I didn't do it again. As you should. No more pay to win for any of us. Ted Cruz does it. We
1: can. Yeah, I don't ever buy shit in-game. Like... I, gar- I guard my money like a dragon.
0: Wait, wait. Know, oh, it I was, see what you did there. I, I, it's so hard to believe anything Kelly's saying right now. Hey. What? Because you've literally come on this podcast and talked about how you purchased in-game bullshit that you didn't need on multiple occasions. because cute. I... Not loot
1: boxes.
0: Fine. Not loot boxes? Fine. You might have gotten me there.
1: But yeah, I have made literally i bought like two outfits like anyways okay i'm a hypocrite fine (laughs) i love the progression But no loot boxes and that was also like that was also like years ago when i used to play defiance
0: well, um, something else that you might not have known, since I'm just throwing out all these things you might not know, um, apparently Sonic 3 has, uh, <laughs> Sega officially uses Michael Jackson's music in Sonic 3, um, yeah, he apparently made some music for Sonic 3.
2: Yeah, that's, a uh, whew, boy. So this is a... face. I,
0: I, I I'm just giving her so many like unnecessary stories today. I got, I got her some. Face I got is just like why the fuck. I got some
2: thoughts about this one. So so, um, I don't know if this was on the where where you got the information from, but um, yeah. So with the soundtrack of Sonic the Hedgehog three, there are some songs in that original game that fans have theorized for years must have had Michael Jackson involvement because of the way they sound. They were very much of his style back of that era. But Sega had never officially confirmed that, that he was involved with the project. And I think there was, some, you know, the, the controversy trademark at the time was, you know, basically had them take his name off of it. But for years, that was just what people thought, that the controversy is why his name got scrapped from Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and what have you. So here we are, almost 30 years later. Sonic Origins is out on all platforms. And all the songs that sounded like they would belong to Michael Jackson have been removed from the game and have been replaced by songs that were in the PC version of the of the game instead, uh, as fans call the prototype soundtrack. And then Yuji Naka, former man behind the Sonic series, who has since left this company and, you know, was recently involved with the whole Ballad Wonderworld thing, just casually tweeted that, oh, wow, they removed the Michael Jackson songs. Just casually in a tweet. So for 30 years of fan speculation, just revealed casually in a tweet. And people were just, like, freaking out about it, basically, that, you know, it's confirmed. Michael Jackson
0: was involved with the soundtrack of Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Uh, you said 30 years? Uh, yeah. yeah. This is so funny. Y'all been holding on to that for 30 years? I yeah. am here for it, honestly, that is great! Yeah! <laughs> Can for you 30- imagine? Like, if, if you were old enough to play this game 30 years ago and recognize that it might be, like, Sonic music, do you know how old you have to be right now for this to be, like, a mind blower? <laughs> You have to at yeah. least be like... Never mind, I actually... Never mind, this is so, unnecessary. So, to, to, be, to be clear, I I only know this
2: story just because it's just something that's been, been murmured among gamers for years. I My first time playing Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was actually on Origins. I had played 1 and 2 and CD before, but I've never played 3. So this was like kind of like a... Uh, I, I, st- I still haven't even heard these Michael Jackson songs yet. I got to like listen to it independently because they- obviously they're not an origin, so I got to just hear them independently, see if they really do have that feel to them. But uh, yeah.
0: Shout out to you and your uh, Sonic shirt today, though. Oh, yeah. I knew we
2: had some Sonic stories to talk about <laughs> in the podcast, so I was like, let me put on this shirt.
0: So um, I'm going to move on to something else, Overwatch 2, I know we talked about it a little bit last Mm -hmm. week and I asked you guys like whether you would play if it was free to play, Um, Mm -hmm. and you know that's a whole other conversation, but this one, even if you don't play Overwatch, I do want you guys' opinions on it because um, it was recently revealed that Overwatch 2 will fully replace the original Overwatch at launch, meaning that the original game will no longer be playable from October, because that's when the beta's out right now but the actual game comes out in October. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because, don't know if anyone had paid attention to this on the podcast here, but um, Gabe might know, but he's not here. Um, When they originally announced Overwatch 2, they said that the game would uh, be playable alongside Overwatch, the original. Mm. And it would be cross-play, and um, people who wanted to continue to play Overwatch, uh as it was could do so anyone who wanted more of the pve the 5v5 yes, because overwatch itself, yeah. 6v6, um, overwatch itself is 6v6 uh overwatch 2 is 5v5 and so they were going to be um, played alongside one another and now a couple of months before its release Everyone just finds out, just kidding, we're actually getting rid of the original Overwatch and replacing everything about it with Overwatch 2 and, uh, Overwatch, uh, the original Overwatch will no longer be accessible come October. It doesn't matter, um, whether you buy the new one or not, but the new one is free to play. Um, so, like, you just have to, if you want to keep playing, you have to upgrade. However, That upgrade also means that you're not going to be playing the game in the same way because over the original Overwatch is 6v6, right? So you have two tanks, two healers, two DPS, or, you know, a combination of that. Um, the new Overwatch is 5v5, uh, which only includes, as far as I'm aware, one tank and then a different type of, um, makeup. And they're also changing because of this new, uh, 5v5, they're also changing a lot of, um, how some abilities work for certain characters. So imagine having played, you know, Overwatch for years. Still playing Overwatch in Overwatch League, obsessed with it, enjoying it, and then finding out, oh shit, you're going to a 5v5 and like your character is changing. And everything is changing, and you have no choice but to be upgraded. For free, at least, but like it, it, you, the old server is just no longer working. Um, and I'm gonna read a little bit from this IGN article, it says when the sequel was originally announced back in August last year, Blizzard claimed that Overwatch and Overwatch 2 players would be able to play side by side when playing the same game modes. The original plan allowed Overwatch players to play on the brand new Overwatch 2 maps, and um, as the new heroes. Then game director Jeff Kaplan, who left, um, said it was a shared multiplayer environment where no one gets left behind. In other words, multiplayer PvP would have been possible across the two titles. Now it looks as though Overwatch will, in fact, be left behind. (laughs) It's likely that Overwatch will essentially become Overwatch 2, which is already planned to retain old legacy content while adding new maps and systems. the fact that Overwatch 2 will be free-to-play means that this should be an easy enough transition. Um, (coughs) so, they are adding that legacy content over to uh, Overwatch 2, so you're still getting the old maps that you know and love, you're still getting the characters, but, um, updated models, versions, and abilities. Um, but, like, just in general, if you were playing a game, a sequel's coming out, you think that you can, you know, continue, because I was one of the people that was planning on just continuing playing the regular Overwatch if I ever did get back into it, um, and then you find out that just kidding like the new one and all of its changes are replacing um the old one and the company essentially lied to you how would you feel about it and and I say it that way specifically because if it was a normal progression and they had said, you know, Overwatch 2 is going to become the new Overwatch originally, like if that was the plan from the beginning, I wouldn't feel so slighted about this as I feel like some other people do. But the way that it's kind of transitioned, like the game director of the past said, yeah, they're both going to be playing. And now the new game director, they have a new, you know, new game director, new situation. They're like, no, we're scrapping the old and end with the new. how do, you, how do you how would you feel about this like how are gamers supposed to react to something like this
2: yeah the last minute change definitely feels very underhanded but i but i have to ask though what's obviously they came out last minute and said this but like what's changed do you think in terms of like what happened there because okay to my understanding obviously i don't follow overwatch uh, heavily but based on what i've been hearing about overwatch 2 and then the whole thing that overwatch 1 is getting essentially delisted is that Overwatch 2 is ostensibly, like, essentially like a massive update for the existing Overwatch game, uh, at least that's how I understood it. So when I heard that, like, I, I could, until you until you reminded me about the fact that the, they were said that 1 and 2 players would be able to play together, I had thought that that was just always a plan and that the idea that Overwatch original getting delisted wasn't as bad an idea because of 2 essentially just being an upgrade to Overwatch 1, uh, essentially... But now that you're saying that Overwatch One did have like a slightly structure in terms of like having six VC as opposed to the six six as opposed to the five v five, and that the original one is getting delisted, I mean that's that alone the fact that there's a different structure that's just getting uh, eliminated. I don't think that's very good just for those who just prefer that kind of mode. Or just the game preservation argument is there is to be said as well. Um, so I disagree with it on that regard. And then, of course, yeah, obviously, you know, if you're being told one thing and then like last minute, just kidding, it's gone. Yeah, no, that would. So as far as I'm concerned, they got two strikes against them uh, for those two things. It's it sucks. It does. I feel if you're if you if you're if you're someone like Daryl, I guess, who really wanted to keep playing Overwatch One and knew that you would be able to continue playing alongside your uh, fellow two players, and now that you can't, I mean, that's. And
0: that sucks there's, uh, there's no other way to say it um you know uh Kelly have you played overwatch yeah okay um so maybe Kelly can also answer your question a little bit too but um I think the biggest change is not allowing for the classic six v six play yeah uh, because so a lot of like- people have you know overwatch was unique when it came out mm-hmm um, it was the only game that like did what it did as well as it did because the other one that did do that that came out at the same time is kind of like we don't talk about it anymore. Was, so much Battle- so that, was I came- that Battleborn? Yes, <laughs> it was Battleborn. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, the most sent out to die
2: game I, I've heard in a while.
0: <laughs> and Overwatch did not require you to be good at FPS, right? Like you could be a part of a team like you can- I am not the best shooter. But I will go in there and be like a tank ass Reinhardt and shield my team all fucking day. Or I will heal from the back end like all fucking day. Um, you don't have to be like a good shooter to play Overwatch. Um, and there were years worth of like balances that make thing that made things work. But then I saw, you know, today like one of the tanks, Arisa, she has a shield. There's like two or three uh, maybe three tanks, I think, in the game, I can't remember specifically, that have shields. Um, and they were talking about like what this new makeup what if she doesn't have a shield and i'm like her whole thing is like that she has a shield like some of them um like specifically when you're picking tanks like there's a tank that doesn't have a shield at all um that does some regen she was one of the tank the shields that had a tank so it's like reworking i I i can only imagine playing this character for years and then having them completely reworked from the ground up to fit your new model that i didn't ask for um just to make it more of a, like, in that instance, for example, um, Arisa's kind of a character that does shoot, but she also has a shield, right? So like, if I was a person who sucks at shooting, but I used her for shields and grouping people together, etc., and then they take away the one thing that I'm like good at with her. Uh, now I gotta go find somebody else to, to do it on. Um, yeah, I think that I yeah, to answer your question, I do think just like the biggest thing is the change of modes and the change of um, e- even the aesthetic, right? Like the, the character designs are getting updated, um, which is inevitable. So like, that's not a big deal. Um, but I think the core of the game is changing. And I guess the best way I can describe it is kind of just summarize all the things I've said again so I'm not like repeating myself. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that I, I haven't played Overwatch 2. I'm not doing the beta because I'm not paying them. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, Kelly, I don't know if there's anything um, that you want to add about like the different or f- from your experience of playing Overwatch.
1: Um, I mean, I wasn't like super into Overwatch. I mean, I put a lot of hours into Overwatch, but I wasn't like. Um... I don't even think I ever broke, like, silver rank, you know? Um, but I think that the biggest thing here is that they kind of have changed what they were going to do because I don't think it's necessarily bad for them to replace the original with the new one. As a matter of fact, like, I kind of like that. Like, sometimes whenever the fan base is, like, too spread out or something, I guess if they were cross play, it wouldn't really matter. But, like, I like for everyone to be playing, like, the same game. I'm just, like, I don't know. I'm... I have a compulsive thing with things matching. Um, Anyways. uh, So I I think that it would be cool for them to like replace the game, but they're changing the modes and it is a new game, but they should have just been upfront with that in the beginning. They should have just said like, this is a possibility, not just, Oh, you're still going to have your original game. I mean, it would make sense to replace the original because of server space and just, I mean, the maintenance on two games, like, it makes sense to replace it, but don't act like you're not gonna do that, and then do that. That's, Uh, no, that's all I got.
0: I I, I don't know if it had to do with uh, getting a new game director, right? Like, I don't know if Jeff Kaplan had that plan, and then when he left, like, plans changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Overwatch 2, when they showed it off, was way more about PvE and story content. Um, The original Overwatch is literally you and some friends jumping in there and like pushing the payload. Um, And so it was catered as a very different game, which is why I was like, well, I don't need any of this because I don't care to play this like solo experience. Like I I don't want to pay extra money to do something like that when I'm happy with what I have here. Um, And now forcing that on people, uh, essentially, a lot of people feel like this Overwatch 2 is basically Overwatch becoming more like Apex or Valorant like it's losing the Overwatch feel and becoming another one of those types of free-to-play titles um that are already out there that um is not going to be differentiated from anything else and I think that's a valid concern um just with some of the changes I'm like yeah this totally just sounds like Apex Legends now (laughs) like um Yeah, let's move on to Bungie, because they are hitting a YouTuber with a 7.6 million lawsuit for a fake DMCA claim. You know, when you hit people with, like, 7.6 million dollar lawsuits, like, Like, you obviously know.
2: Yeah, like, (laughs) before, before you even continue, it's like, I feel like sometimes, like... What, I'm not even like talking about whether it was warranted or not because I don't know the full story. All, all I'm saying is like I sometimes feel like the corporations just forget that they're just like suing individuals. <laughs> like like yeah yeah you got them war coffers and you just like hit these like individuals that don't have those those uh, business war coffers with this money. I'm like,
0: what are they going to do? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what they did and maybe uh, you will actually agree with Bungie once you... <laughs> once oh, no, no, you no, no, no.
2: I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this guy is probably in the wrong, like, before you even talk your story. I'm just saying, just like, this is like the, the second in recent memory story you told me of this individual just getting, like, just, just, just like... <laughs> the, 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 the a well. meteor falling upon them. <laughs> <Yeah. and laughs>
0: Like, oh god. <laughs> oh god, what was that story? And it was like, you know, like, it's gonna fall onto his ancestors because he clearly can't yeah. pay it off. God, I can't remember what that story was. Mm yeah what a but shame
2: could see, but good tell me why this guy actually deserves this all oh, right <laughs> so uh
0: bungie is doing a destiny 2 youtuber who allegedly struck back a dmca takedown leveled on his account by filing false dmca claims on bungie's behalf against other streamers and the studio itself um bungie's lawsuit filed in federal court on wednesday seeks at least 7.6 million dollars in damages the complaint alleges that nicholas minor who broadcasted under the handle lord nazo created two fake Gmail addresses impersonating staff of C- CSC Global, which is a copyright management firm representing Bungie. The lawsuit says Lord Nazo used those addresses in February to send YouTube 96 takedown demands, citing the 1998 Digital Millennium Co- Copyright Act. So break that down a little bit. This guy made two Gmail accounts. <laughs> pretended to be bungie's legal team sent youtube uh 96 demands to take down on uh, different um content across youtube from other youtube user uh, youtube uh uh users who uploaded content for destiny um i'm sorry i'm uh, bungie uh, the takedowns involved videos posted by youtubers my name is biff who has 974,000 subscribers Aztec Cross, who has six hundred fifteen thousand subscribers, and Bungie's own YouTube account, oh, which like man. this should have been a this should have been a giveaway right there. Yeah, <laughs> like like, like your legal team is uh, asking he, you to.
2: There's a there's a very off chance he might have gotten away with it if he didn't hit that last one.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, miners' attacks at Shockwaves through the Destiny community. The complaint said content creators describing the chilling described the chilling effect the false takedowns had on their um, own work. Thing. I'm scared to make new Destiny videos, let alone keep up the ones I've already made up. Um, under the DMCA, companies such as YouTube are obligated to remove user-published content that infringes a copyright held by another. Such a broad mandate has enabled abuse of the statute's provisions, with some filing DMCA declarations to YouTube too, um, and elsewhere to thwart business rivals or social media adversaries. Um, Bungie's complaint alleges that Miner exploited the hole in YouTube's DMCA process Security that allows anyone at all to claim to be representing a rights holder for purpose of uh, issuing a takedown with no real safeguard against fraud
1: um,
0: Yeah, and then B- Bungie did send out a tweet that said we are not um, uh, That is aware of the copyright takedown demands and said they are not being taken at the request of Bungie or uh, our partners and um, and that, that was just, they wanted to let everyone know, okay, it's not us. <laughs> We're having an issue here. Um, the, in, in the easiest layman's terms of this, the guy made two Gmail addresses, pretended to be representative of Bungie's legal team, requested that 96 people get their videos taken down, scared a bunch of people, um, a- including the, the, uh, the, uh, Bungie, Destiny's YouTube. Um, Bungie found out, said, hey, this is not us. And now they're suing him for $7.6 million in a lawsuit to, um, uh, for damages, which I think is fair. Um, but it's mostly to make an example of him because he was able to go in through a loophole that YouTube has that basically allows anyone to say that they're a representative of this company and go in and say, Hey, take this down because this is a copyright claim and he was able to do it. Um, so yeah, that's that story. Now, how do you feel Brandon? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, sorry. Oh, the seven point six million. I'm so sorry. The seven point six million is one hundred fifty thousand dollars for each of the fifty one instances in which he allegedly infringed Bungie's registered copyrights. Mm,
2: that was gonna be my next question, actually. Yes. Okay. That that makes sense. If
0: it's uh, like
2: based on like or incremental based on like um how much he did, then yeah, you know that's just how it is. Like the 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 amount uh, equal to the damage. So and, and one told that man to go to to scare 96 people with his, with his bullshit so you know like you said it's an example <laughs> cuz that's uh that's uh, that's some nefarious ass shit and they need to like put that down
0: it uh, it also this article also says other parts of the suit seek unspecified actual and statutory damages mm-hmm. um to demonstrate that serious consequences await anyone else foolish enough to target Bungie's community for attack yeah. and this is um just so i give the sources from polygon written by Owen S. Good
2: okay yeah yeah, they do what they got to do. He, he will suffer for his crimes.
1: <laughs>
0: they was like, hit him $150,000 for everyone, and then actually do, you know, some actual shit that we can actually, um, that we can actually hold him accountable for afterwards. Right. Which, like, what were you doing, sir? Did you want to be the only bunchy like, YouTuber out there? Because you hit all these people with high subscriber counts, and uh, you were just going to upload your shit when theirs got taken down and hope for the best. Did that's it work, said, or what, did what, you
2: just lose a lot of money? He just lost a lot of money. <laughs> he, 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 he was hoping that his 49 view Scott uh, Destiny vid was just going to get bumped oh up to, like, 500,000. And now he's just paying that money instead that he was going to get from his ex-subscribers, I guess.
0: Oh, man. All right. So let's go ahead and move on a little bit. This one is uh, interesting. It's titled, Aspire admits Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 is unbeatable on Switch, then make bizarre choice. This is written by Eric Halliday at Fansighted. And it says, people have realized that since the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 re-release by Aspire came out on Switch, there's a wee bit of a problem. After a particular mid-game cutscene, the game crashes and shuts, shuts down. No exception. No way around it. Because of this, you can't beat the game. That's it. Period. End of. You just can't beat the game. Um, after some prodding and presumably, uh, Aspire finally realizing Reddit exists and they can only ignore it for so long, the developer admitted to the problem via response to one of their tweets. And they said, Yes, we are aware and our dev team is working on delivering the patch as soon as possible. We apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate your patience in the meantime. This was not admitted on their main page, but rather a response buried within a separate tweet encouraging people to buy their re-release. Um, yeah. Uh, they haven't gotten to the, uh, as of this writing, which was on the 22nd, they haven't gotten to fix the problem. There has been no patch to fix the problem. Um, yeah, they just, like, uh, wait. They, instead have now, uh, as of this writing on the 22nd, put Knights of the Old Republic 2 on the sales page of the Nintendo Switch. Because they made it cheaper. Because you can't finish the game. Uh, and this article says, quote, It's a shady tactic many developers have been using, as they know the sales tab is the most commonly viewed section of the Nintendo Switch's eShop. Um, now, there's no estimated data on when a patch is going to roll out and fix the issue, so that the game is actually playable. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. So essentially, they know there's a problem, they have no timeline to fix this problem, and so they just decided to put the game on the sales tab so that more people can buy this game while it has a problem. But I think the biggest issue with this is that it literally is unplayable. Like you're literally selling a game that is knowingly selling a game that's unplayable. Like if you didn't know, fine. but you know, you've responded to people on Twitter about the fact that you know you have no, like, message anywhere across your official socials about the fact that you know that it's an issue, and then you decide to put it on the sales tab to try to sell more copies. How are we feeling about this one?
2: I swear, Knights of the Republic 2 specifically has, like, <laughs> has like the worst luck of the two games. Like, <laughs> like, the, like the first game... I have never heard any issues about it. But the second game, even going back to its original release on the PC and Xbox original, um that game could be finished, but its ending was like really was not good. And the reason why the ending was not that good is because there's a lot of content that didn't get put into the game. I'm going to get back into that in a second, but basically they were trying to rush the game out to be released before Revenge of the Sith to get like maximum sales, so a lot of content didn't make it in. And as a result, the ending is, like, not great of that game. Um, and there's a few bugs in there that they patched later, but, you know, anyway. Uh, but with this release, you know, when they announced that this was coming to Nintendo Switch, and they also announced that a few months later, remember that cut content? It's going to get added to the game as free DLC. So what PC what PC modders had already had done on that the version for years was going to be finally officially released for the game and balanced... And that excited me greatly, but there's a little bit of twinge into that because I was just like, well, "Why didn't you just wait until that was ready before you released the game?" Period. Because I have not bought *Nice Republic* two because I'm waiting for that to come out because I don't want to play that game with its unfinished ending anymore. If if a version of the game exists that's going to have the complete ending and other content that they didn't make it, I'm just going to play that. So with that being said. The fact that QA didn't catch the fact that the game literally cannot even be finished right now makes me think that uh, another reason why they should have just waited for the for the cut content to just come out. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel the same way as me even before hearing this news. They're like, oh, the cut content DLC is coming later. Well, then I'll buy the game then. So when I'm not going to when, when it comes out so I can actually play the full game. Because I'll just get to the end and get disappointed again because I'm not, see, not seeing that stuff. Uh, to this day, I haven't played the cut content. I've only seen YouTube videos of it. But, <laughs> I've so I know it's good once the game is actually finished, but I just haven't played it myself, and I was looking forward to doing it. So, you know, I hope it's not as long as when that cut content that they have this fixed, because, yeah, no, having a, a game that you can't even finish at the moment is pretty bad. That's not good at all. And then putting on sale so it gets highlighted is even worse.
0: That's... I don't
2: I, I, I don't I don't I don't even know if like uh, like I don't even know if I would have said it was like let's say they hadn't put it on sale they just left it on the shop you know they didn't the de- like let's say they just didn't delist like say they did for the the GTA like uh, remaster or whatever they just left it on there you know that that would suck but whatever it, just, you know the message out there people could just not buy it if they don't want to but yeah like you said the that the yeah the fact that they put it on sale so just more people will will view it and not realize that you can't even finish the game right now. Yeah, no, that's that's messed up. That's messed up. The original issues with Knights Republic Two, you know, that wasn't their fault. Like Lucasfilm would force them to rush that game out the door. They had they literally couldn't finish it. And now you have the chance to do it right, and you're kind of just yeah. That's a li- that's an oversight that's a little tough to ignore.
0: Yeah, it's very hard because like I wouldn't feel as bad for them if they had you know a message up saying. We are aware that there is a problem. Um we're not taking the game down. You can still purchase it. The problem will be solved, right? Mm-hmm. Like allow the consumer to make that decision on their own, but to not say anything about it. And then like like have had response deal? be married. Yeah, that's
2: that's a bad one. That's a bad one. It's no bueno. It's boy. a shame. I cuz I would love more people to play this game. It's it's a, it's a good game, but this is some bad will for sure.
0: Anything on this one, Kelly? <laughs> Kelly's like, no, I just... its Well, do you think it was a bad idea by the company? I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Alright, I'll just move on then. Uh, Brandon, can hmm, you tell me about Klonoa? Yes, of course. Um, no,
2: I'll just I, I I remember how it went. So basically, um actually no, let me actually pull the tweet just so I can like do the exact uh phrasing here. Give me a quick second. Okay. So um according to a tweet by Go Nintendo, Go Nintendo tweet, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series producer says the game's success could lead to Klonoa IP expansion. So I kinda wanted to use that as a jumping off point to discuss something that I've just been kinda thinking about for a while. It, it, it kind of tangentially rela- relates to Klonoa, but it relates to something kind of like on a bigger scale in the game industry. And that's the notion of um, we're going to put this game out as a test to see if more people want more of this, right? Um, so in this case, well, since it is a, they bring up Klonoa, I'll use it as an example. Klonoa is a very niche series. Like those who have played it speak very highly about it. The problem mm-hmm. is there's just not enough of those people. So that's, uh, I would define that as like a niche series. You know, it came out on the PlayStation, died for a while. Uh, Bandai Namco put out a Wii remake of the original, sold terribly, and so the series died for a few years. And this is basically their second attempt where now they're re-releasing the first two uh, to see if it can survive. Now, so a lot of people are not happy about the fact that they made that message because like, why does the sales success of the future depend on this game? And on on one hand, I, I get it. It sucks that, A remake, essentially, of previously released games is what hinges upon whether or not you get the future or not. But at the same time, these game companies are businesses. And, you know, it's one thing to, like, spout how much you love a game and how great it is. But if the sales aren't there, then it's just not profitable for them to do it. There's a lot of, like, niche-ass series that people would love to come back. Like, people say, like, where's Earthbound? Where's Star Fox? Well, when they come out, y'all don't buy them. That's why. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're great games, but if you don't buy them, then... Sh- like, that, like, people ask forever, when's new F 0 coming out? Well, if one comes out, are you actually going to buy it? Like, do you actually care, or do you just want it to exist? Because Nintendo cares, because that's the money that they've been spending to make said game, you know? I'm not necessarily defending the company. I think these games should exist. I think the fans should be given a chance to, like, show that they want to support the games, but at the same time... You have to understand why why it's happened this way. I think about Capcom's <laughs> infamous Ultra Street Fighter 2 test they did when the Switch launched. You remember how in, when the Switch came out, they took Ultra Street Fighter 2, which is basically just an en- enhanced port of Street Fighter 2 on Switch, and sold that shit for 40 bucks.
0: No, I don't. And I love that you do, because I don't remember this at all. Yeah. No,
2: and that was Capcom's test. To see if people wanted Capcom games on Switch, this forty dollars port of a game that came out in the early nineties is their test to see if people want games in Capcom. But here's the thing, too: <laughs> as bad as the test as that was, it worked. It mm-hmm. worked because people were had the Switch launch hype; they wanted to be able to play Switch. Uh, I'm sorry, Street Fighter on their new shiny Switch. So that game did so moderately well. And now we got Capcom games coming out like the Devil May Cry re releases that are being charged for like basically full full price for like individual instead of like a collection (laughs) so sometimes companies learn the wrong lesson from these things and then you
0: don't think that would have been uh, inevitable anyway
2: uh sure no that's entirely possible i i feel like it was a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because if if capcom's ultra street fighter 2 bombed it might have taken longer to get capcom games on switch period eventually i think they would have figured out that switch is selling like hotcakes and people want games on there but it probably would have taken longer because the, the Wii U burned people. Let's just burn people. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's put it out there. Like as as much as as much as a better concept, the Switch was. A lot of companies were afraid to put full support behind this next Nintendo console because they didn't want to get burned again. So it's it, it is understandable. It's just a, kind of disappointing. And sometimes to get just to give one more point before I pass the baton or move on. Um, yeah. Sometimes when the when the experiment fails, it's really bad. And usually the when way the, the what th- fails? When the experiment fails, it's really bad. Oh, okay. Like, what, yeah, yeah, um, like some. It, how a company will determine if a game needs su- succeed uh, or move on, rather, they do it all kind of different ways. In this case, it's a remake of a previous game, essentially. Sometimes, in the case of Chibi Robo, a very infamous example. That's also a very niche series that a lot of people haven't played. Um, <laughs> the most recent game was Chibi Robo Ziplash on the 3DS and that was a very that was a bland 2D platformer which doesn't play at all like previous chibi robo games and Nintendo said if this didn't sell well we ain't do no more chibi robo basically and guess mm-hmm. what not only did people who never played chibi robo care about it cuz it was a bland 2D platformer but the fans didn't even buy it because it wasn't what chibi robo was so guess what that series is dead again and that's not their fault they they were given a product they didn't want it to sell but that was Nintendo's test for chibi robo and it flunked so yeah i think i think to summarize everything I, I it annoys me when these tests have to happen that people have to be like, all right, you want to but I get it. It makes sense. Like yeah. the, like like the series they need to sell to exist. Like if yeah. if people are out like if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're pushing for this year to come back and you actually will buy those games or you have bought a game that needed your sales to succeed, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to people <laughs> out there. I'm talking to people out there who says, Yeah, bring back F Zero. It came back? Nice. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, they they play, and they're gonna play something else. Just that's, like, a, that's all I'm saying.
0: What do you expect if you want your game to get a revival? You gotta kind of pay. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, to you you gotta.
2: The you game. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta vote your You gotta vote your wallet. I put a tweet out earlier today where I retweeted this uh, tweet that I put here for the podcast, saying that like I'm not surprised. Like clone has been dead, yeah. so they're, so they're, so they're, so they're. Uh, you know. Testing the waters with a remake of the first two games, which the second one being re-released is a huge deal, because that's never been re-released before. And and I even put on the tweet saying, hey, if you want this series to go... If you've been complaining that Klonoa doesn't exist, vote with your wallet. If you don't care, then you don't care. But if you do care, you got to show them that you
0: do. Yeah, but then it's also, you know, you got to convince all your friends to go buy it too. Um, that's
2: that true. Like that's And that's the other problem. Like like if it like, <laughs> Even if every Klonoa fan... That really love the game does buy it. Now we're gonna find out if that's enough. Like I said it earlier, it's like
0: the people. Oh my God, people... <laughs> like, that's so devastating. Like imagine if like every Kanoa fan and there's like 15 of them.
2: Yeah, there are dozens of <laughs> us. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Y'all
0: that's, not getting. That's what I said. At, but game. that's what
2: I. But that's what I said right at the beginning. I'm like the people that have played Kanoa love it, but there just wasn't enough of them. Like if that if that if that doesn't grow. Then there's not. that even if all of them buy it, it's not going to change anything. Yep. So we're we're we're, we're going to see. I'll buy it because I've always been interested in trying out Clinol because I hear nothing but great things about it. What I heard. Mean, that, but,
0: but we'll see. We'll see. Well, since we're speaking about people losing money. Oh, possibly yeah. losing money um, the Pokemon go devs have canceled their Transformers game and three other games and they've laid off as many as 90 um, Niantic CEO reportedly says the company is facing a time of economic turmoil and they're looking to cut costs this is written by Eddie Macu, um for gamespot.com yeah the developer is cutting jobs and they've canceled four games including a Transformers title um, according to a report from Bloomberg that has been confirmed in part by the developer itself. Um, There's a memo from Niantic CEO John Henke, who reportedly said that the company was facing a time of economic turmoil and was looking to cut costs in a variety of areas. Um, He said that they've planned to further streamline the company's operations to help weather any economic storm that may come in the future. Some economics, uh, economists believe the United States is headed for a recession, uh, with layoffs expected at a wide variety of companies in the future. According to Bloomberg, Niantic is cutting between 85 and 90 jobs. That is a lot of people that would be out of jobs. Um, as for the reportedly canceled games, Bloomberg said its Transformers game, Heavy Metal, will no longer see release, while the Hamlet game from Niantic, Niantic and Punch Drunk is also not going forward. The other two games that were canceled were new titles called Blue Sky and Snowball. Um, no details about these reported games have been disclosed. While Pokemon Go was a massive success for Niantic, its follow-up games, games including which I've forgotten was a thing, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, That's and that was a thing, a Pikmin Bloom, did not find a big audience like Pokemon Go did. Wizards Unite shut down earlier this year. That's apparently why we all forgot about it because it shut down. Yeah. Pickman, uh, I, lo-
2: I, I love pikmin bloom but it may be on its way out too like i don't hear anyone talking about it i got free stuff from niantic so i'm good
0: a <laughs> <laughs> uh, po- uh, spokesperson for niantic confirmed it canceled some projects but did not name them outright the spokesperson also said that it's about eight percent of its staff to focus um it laid off excuse me eight percent of its staff to focus on key priorities um yeah, this uh, news comes just after Niantic announced a partnership with the NBA for a new AR title called NBA All World. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Um, this is surprising to anyone.
1: Uh. Well.
0: Kyle, you got to say it. They can't see um, you.
1: <laughs> well. I feel like I've been seeing a lot of posting like on Twitter, like a lot of people are talking about getting laid off and stuff. Um even not in gaming but in like tech and stuff too um there was like people i think it was coinbase these people had left jobs at like google and other huge tech companies like come work there and they rescinded their offers because Mm -hmm. obviously the cryptocurrency has been like pretty volatile you know so um i think we're gonna start seeing a lot of this i mean to be honest i've been a little bit worried i mean i work for a tech company you know like i I mean, it's concerning. And I think that gaming is not necessarily like a it's more like a luxury um item to be honest, which I hate to say because without it, I mean, I don't want to live. But um I think that like <laughs> um I think that it's like one of those things that we will see people getting laid off and stuff and it's really sad. And I don't know if there's anything that can really be done like i think we are probably headed for a recession um i just bought a house yay like (laughs) wonderful (laughs) i just put a new roof on it yay like i don't um i i don't know i think we're gonna see more of this i don't think that this is surprising at all um it's concerning but it's not surprising
0: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Niantic specifically, this not being surprising for Niantic because I feel like every time that we talk about them or I see them, it's always people complaining about what they've done to Pokemon Go. It's never like, we're Mm. happy with the game in its direction, it's always like, (laughs) please fix this, you guys have ruined this. Um, especially after, um, you know, the pandemic happened and then they changed it so that people didn't have to go outside, and then they tried to take it back to, like, people having to go outside. But then people were like, well, no, like, I still am not comfortable with going outside or, you know, the way that this is structured works better for me. Um, and it kind of, I can understand that it might have ruined what they were going for, which is obviously getting people to get up and go outside and walk and exercise, etc. But, you know, the pandemic really fucked with uh, Pokemon Go, which was yeah. obviously their big success. And they haven't really been able to get things back on track since then. Like I mentioned, everything I've seen about Niantic has been just negative people complaining about the direction that the game is going, why it's not working, why they're not happy with it. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, it is a lot of pe- I, I am I'm not surprised that Niantic is going through this. However, that is a lot of people—eighty to ninety people—just uh, losing jobs. Like that is a lot of people at a company. Um, that sucks. Brandon, did you have something to say on this one?
2: Um, not too much that hasn't already been said, but I, but I, but I will posit this. Uh, Niantic was making a Transformers game. Apparently, <laughs> like, what was that going to be like? You go next to a vehicle in the game, and then it just turns into a into a transformer that you can capture. Like, I, I, I'm. I want to know what that concept was. I, I just want to know what, what, what like, what, was, what was, what was that game going to be? I'm, I, w- I, don't know if I play it, which may, which may be, you know, send is shared by many. I just want to know what that game would have been, because that's they're,
0: yeah, they're doing what I feel like Square Enix is doing, uh, was doing that I've complained about, which is like they're just literally producing anything now just yeah. to see what sticks. I feel like Niantic is also doing that. Like after Pokemon, weren't they also? Was it Niantic that was making that weird new one that was like not Pokemon that Kelly thought the little thingies were cute for? I, I remember was that the name of it.
2: I don't think that was them. I think that that was like okay. a competitor. I thought it was Niantic making
0: their own version.
2: Wait, I mean, no, I know could... you might be you might be right. Actually, now that you say Niantic making their own, yeah, that they wouldn't have to use Pokemon. Um, yeah, I, I thought I w- it was something like that. I wonder if um, that's still
0: happening to, as well. Not sure. I mean either way either way it, it like i feel like they were just like all right we were so successful with pokemon just give us all the franchises and they grabbed harry potter it yeah bombed.
2: no po- pokemon made them z- a zillion bucks so they thought they could just do anything with do that it, yeah and
0: it's not, re- not
2: working not realizing that pokemon was unique pokemon uniquely ha- had a very unique benefit to um with that concept, you know, it's something that people have always wanted to go out in the real world and find Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So that was all for Pokemon. I think that was always going to work, especially since that was already it's already a big, successful franchise. So it just doesn't work with it. You can't just plug in franchise and it's automatically exactly. going to work. Even as someone that plays Pikmin Bloom to, the, to this day, I don't even think that was like a necessarily a, a natural transition. Not um, at all. To, at all. It was just very like, random. It was very random. The only reason I played it is because... It doesn't ask a lot of you. Like you basically walk and you just get stuff and then you can interact with it. That's and I walk a lot of my job. If I didn't walk a lot of my job, I probably wouldn't be playing it either. Like I I to, like Grayson played it like the first few weeks and I I told him like if you're not someone who already walks, that's not that game is not going to convince you to do so. You have to yeah. already be doing it. And you know it is what it is. Pokemon Go is rightfully their only success. And, I, you know, I, I, I hope the best for the employees that work at Niantic. But, man, if Pokemon Go is all they got, uh, they may have some issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you get successful and then you just pull any franchise with a big license and then you hire all these people and now you're like... That was a uh, um, that was
2: unfortunately happening for a little bit. What for platinum games, if I remember too. They like they were getting because
0: they was also making a bunch of bullshit. Like they're, <laughs> they're another yeah. company. that's what, exactly what happened. They got
2: some big success with like Bayonetta and like uh, and Nier Automata, and so people just wanted them for anything. And that's only partially their fault fault because you know they're even though they make high quality games they're a relatively small developer so to stay in business they have to pretty much accept these like licensed project like uh the transformers game or the ninja turtles games or that legend of Korra game that they made of varying quality and it's like you said they just made whatever and they they have to pay the bills somehow like even if those games uh weren't the best they sold at least decent enough to like make them some money so i mean yeah because of the licensing but also
0: you gotta think of your company and its uh reputation.
2: You do, sometimes. and that's and that's why uh it's been a lot less lately. That was something that was happening like early in like the early tens. Like from like 2012, 2015, that that's was all that was coming out, it's just like platinum, just putting out whatever. Now it's kinda slowed down a little bit and then you know, it's more quality stuff. Uh, Barring Babylon's fault.
0: Anyway, <laughs> like I don't even. Uh, anyway, I. Uh, anyway, um, because I don't even want to get into the disappointment and hatred I have for that game. Mm. Speaking of the early two thousands, no, nope, that's not the early two thousands. It's twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> Nintendo says they are having. Um, They're going to increase their security after a giga leak. After a staggering number of game design, secrets, and prototypes were leaked in 2020, Nintendo has invested in new lawyer, new layers, excuse me, of security! Mm. Uh, yeah, so the PC and mobile games market in China is large, but dedicated games consoles are not so large, Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa said. Together with Tencent, we want to continue to popularize them. We're working with experts on information leaks. We've also introduced information security management. The Nintendo GigaLeaks- staggering amount of content released online, including the uh, legendary Zelda Ocarina of Time, Space World demo, the shocking reveal that Luigi was actually in Super Mario 64 the whole time, and a number of playable prototypes of famous games like Super Mario Kart and Yoshi's Island. Nintendo is also infamous for its litigation and takedowns related to its IPs, As recent stories have seen the software giant take aim at a YouTube channel for hosting soundtracks from its game, and issuing cease and desist notices to fan projects, and calling in its lawyers to cancel a themed tournament. Not even uploads of -of out-of-print strategy books are saved from Nintendo as the company issued a takedown notice to an uploader who shared scans of the charming Super Mario 64 guide. yeah, Nintendo's like, you know what? You guys are leaking our shit. We're gonna finally take it seriously, just like we take seriously people uploading old ass magazines.
2: Oh my god!
0: Yeah, I I, I was gonna say like
2: um, when you introduced the story, I was like, yeah, you know that giga leak was pretty damaging to the stuff you wanted to keep secret. Maybe you guys should should invest some some security <laughs> to you know make sure there's not like uh, a mega giga leak next, next <laughs> year or something like that. Uh, but, uh, I feel like cracking down on someone who's, uh, just sharing images of your 96 Super Mario guy might be just a step too far, you know? You gotta I get feel them all random. I, I, f- I feel like, yeah, you gotta do your war stampede against, uh, against sharing the things you don't want, but you might be going, uh, northwest when you should be going northeast, is all that I'm saying, <laughs> you know? You probably took, yeah, you should have taken that left Albuquerque, I'm thinking Nintendo.
0: So I think on this podcast at some point I've mentioned that, um, people have mentioned that Chris Pratt is, um, has been involved in some anti-LGBT situations. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also pretty sure I mentioned, I don't know what they are, so I don't want to talk about them. Um, because I didn't. Um, however, Chris Pratt has something to say to all you people. Mm -hmm. And that is, he is not a religious person. Um, yeah, so in an interview, (laughs) excuse me um so yeah chris pratt in an interview has um said that uh, for some time who by the way for some time now has uh been associated with the hillsong church which is a mega church known for its anti-lgbtq views um in an interview with men's health recently claimed that he's never attended hillsong and he doesn't know anyone who does he says religion has been oppressive as fuck for a long time i don't know that i would become the face of i didn't know that I would become the face of religion when I'm not really a religious person, Pratt said. I think there's a distinction between being religious, adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the awe reserved for who I believe is a very real god, and using it to control people, to take money from people, to abuse children, to steal land, to justify hatred, whatever it is. The evil that's in the heart of every single man has glommed onto the back of religion and come along for the ride. I never went to Hillsong. I've never actually been to Hillsong. I don't know anyone from that church. Pratt added. Um, yeah. He said, I, yeah. fuck y'all. I believe in God, I don't believe in all the negative religious shit, which is why I don't feel like I'm religious, um, I don't know how I became the face of, uh, religion, and I've never been to this anti-LGBT church. Finally clearing it up.
1: It's funny because what I imagine happened just in my head is someone just made a tweet (laughs) and... And it just took off because they wanted to believe it. You know what I mean? Like he did in one of his acceptance speech, he said, God is real and God loves yeah. you or something, which during your own acceptance speech, you're allowed to say what you want, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so he did. And I think that people just kind of took this anti LGBT thing and ran with it. But um, I-, I don't know. That's very shocking because now it's kind of like, because Okay. I used to love him in Parks and Rec. I think we talked about it last week, right? Mm-hmm. I used to love him and he didn't seem like someone he like would say like really inappropriate things. Like someone who is like super Christian would like not be saying these things. And also like the character Star Lord is like I mean I don't know, it's just it doesn't really add up. Like his personality, what he like seems like in movies, I know that's separate from like his life, but like the movies that he does and the like, the stuff, like I said, like, Parks and Recreation before any of this, like, it doesn't seem like a person who was super religious, like, something they would do. Like, you wouldn't accept these roles if you were super religious, and it was, like, hindering your, you know, ability to do this. Like I said, people have crazy beliefs and still do stuff. It's acting. But it never really lined up with this personality for me. Um, And so now hearing this, like, I'm Not necessarily like, oh, I love Chris Pratt. I'm I'm not going that far. But, like, it does kind of make a lot of sense to me now. And, like, I just kind of heard what people were saying about him and was like, oh, yeah, he's horrible. But, like, I never looked that up. Like, I never saw a photo of him at the church, you know, holding up a, you know, (laughs) anti-LGBTQ sign or something. And, like, I just totally believed it. But he still got roles it's not like it even the rumors like didn't prohibit him from like getting yeah. acting things so it's like good to know where you guys stand
0: um so there is a little bit more here that i'll share with you guys um because they did ask so why three plus years wait for a clear statement he said i'm gonna like throw a church under the bus if it's like the westboro baptist church that's different pratt said pratt did confirm to men's health though that he attends zoe church in los angeles Zoe has remained relatively quiet on LGBTQ issues, but reportedly has ties to Hillsong, including listing pastor Chad Veach as a contributor on the Hillsong website. So maybe there is that very, um, loose connection that someone was able to go along with. Um, and I do understand why it would take him this long to, uh, say something because you don't want to be, I guess, you don't want to believe in God and be the person that's talking shit about a church, really, I guess. But at the same time, like, fuck that church if, like, they're, like, anti-LGBT and I'm not. (laughs) So, (laughs) it is what it is.
2: So, uh, let me just say this. This is kind of like going along with a lot of what Kelly said. Like, I also, I'm not going to start saying I love Chris Pratt or whatever. Um, But what he's saying is perfectly reasonable because... And I'm gonna share something personal that I don't really like talk about. Um, is that wait? Is everyone muted? Like I was like seeing expressions.
0: I was, like What's going-? I'm sorry. It's because my cat just jumped on my PS5 and it was like shaking. Like oh. in the background, yes. And I was like, oh uh, my god, and Kelly needs. And she's like, oh my god. Oh my I'm goodness. sorry. Yeah, Please yeah. continue.
2: I'm so yeah. sorry. No, you're all you're all good. Yeah. So this is something. That, so basically. Is that I I do personally believe in God, but I am also not very religious at all. I like haven't been aside from from uh, weddings or funerals. I have not been to a church in like well over a decade. Like I do my own private worship when I when I feel like it. So I I don't consider myself a religious person. I live my life. I try to be as good a person as possible with or without God, but I do believe in in God. So him saying basically that. He's believes in God, but is not religious. I get that. I like because I'm I'm very much the same way. That's so. It's very believable to me. And yeah, like you said, like you wouldn't want like it's it's a tough subject when you when you um believe in God, but don't like I I have a I don't have a very fondness for a lot of religions because I don't like what they espouse. I don't like how they control people's lives. Certainly against what they do to the LGBT community. Like some of them, like some people use religion as like a crux to for their bigotry, and I can't stand that whatsoever. <sighs> I guess basically what I'm saying, Jarrell, is that Adolgar was right. The goddess is correct. <laughs> the goddess, the God the, go- the goddess is correct. But fuck the church.
0: <laughs> because Edelgard has been right this whole time, and that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> For anyone who's played Fire Empty Houses, you know why the fuck she's my favorite character. Fuck all you hoes who don't like Edelgard. I said it, but still, listen to the podcast because <laughs> I like your views, <laughs> and you're good people. Um, and so, um... oh, what time is it? Okay, I have seven minutes left. Um, I did Ooh. want to talk about the Nintendo, the Nintendo Direct a little bit. We can um, just
2: talk about our favorite stuff if we don't have time because going through the whole
0: sure. Thing- Let's go ahead and do that. Nice. Kelly, did you see
1: the Nintendo Direct?
0: Okay, that's fine. It was a Nintendo Direct Mini. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't really... Yeah, I don't really... know. No, this is great. great. For anyone
0: who didn't see the Nintendo Direct, you can go to hpcritical.com. And there's an article written by our wonderful Gabe, who's not here right now. And um, he will tell you the best games shown and... If you don't want to read it or you don't have time, you can head over to our YouTube, or also on hpcritical.com and you can hear Brandon and I tell you all the games on YouTube, the best games announced um, that uh, Gabe has mentioned. We have a wonderful video on YouTube there, so you can just go listen if you don't want to watch it. And while you're there, there's another video that's there. I'm sorry, I'm plugging. (laughs) There's another video that's there. For those of you who have not read Kelly's Evil Dead review yet, you can go watch that shit. Read it while you watch it. Go to HBCritical.com. The the video review is there. The article is there. Uh, Pop it up. Watch it. Read it together. Alongside each other, and it's gonna be great. And this is uh, for anyone watching. This is Kelly's face as she realizes that the video is actually up because I did not tell her it was up yet. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Um, and in the meantime, finish listening to Brandon tell you some of the best announcements. Are his favorite announcements from the Nintendo Direct Mini? Sweet. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, they started off Monster Hunter Rise.
2: I'm not much of a Monster Hunter guy, but I figured I should mention that regardless. Um, the first hype announcement for me was the fact that Nier Automata is finally coming to Switch. With the end of Yorha edition, finally, you were expecting it. Yeah, kind of. Like a lot of people, I, I, like I, it is huge. It is huge, and I'm very For happy. Sure? It's, I'm happy that it's coming to Switch and not a cloud version. That's great. It's probably not going to be the best running version. In fact, it's definitely not going to be the best running version. But, hey, if you've been wanting to play some, why do you, you think know, that? That's a, because the Switch is not as powerful as the PlayStation Four or Xbox.
0: Okay, but Brandon, and the yes. reason I asked this specifically earlier in chat was mm-hmm. because that tweet said that that um, docked, that game is going to play uh, in 1080p. That's right, it will, and that's and very impressive. 1080p is the same shit that that game plays on PS4. But does it go at 60 FPS on PS4? Uh, on the switch version it said that um backgrounds are going to be 60 fps and um combat i think is going to be 30 fps um so you might have a 30 fps difference on combat which is not that big of a difference like yeah on yeah, so, tv so it's not even going to be bad which is exactly really yeah
1: shocking.
0: i
2: i'm just saying it's impressive that they got, got as much as they could with it and that it's almost on parity with the with the other console version i think that's really cool so yeah, if you're getting the Switch version, you are not getting uh, that watered-down version like you get with other versions. This is actually a quality port, which is cool. Um, other thing is, su- I'm, I'm going to go them kind of quick so you can say you're a Super Bomberman R2. I had a lot of fun with the original Super Bomberman R and looking forward to R2. Mega Man Bat- Battle Network Legacy Collection is awesome. I'm going to get to that at some point, but I do have to play some of the other Mega Man games. Don't have to. It's a separate continuity, but I'd like to anyways. Um, you know, the more I thought about it, this is the, the announcement of Pac-Man World Repack. I was thinking to myself, this is the one game that I wish I was doing like a live reaction for. Because <laughs> I kind of popped off of Pac-Man World Repack. Pac-Man! It's Pac-Man! Like, I grew up with that game on the PS1 I when, I was, like, when I was a little kid. And so seeing that game get remade. And they had music from the original game for that trailer. Like, nostalgia just hit me like a freaking tsunami. It was like crazy. I can't wait to give that game another go. Um, hopefully with some improvements because even as a kid, I liked that game, but it was a little rough. So hopefully they improve on it a little bit. Um, live alive, I'm very extremely hyped for live alive, and they still announced that a demo was coming out that same day, which we have already streamed on HB on here on Twitch. So you guys can check out the highlights if you want to see that. We might have some video stuff that too on uh, soon on HB Critical. But yeah, very excited for that game. You can play three of the. Um, you can play a little bit of three of the stories of the care of the seven characters and then transfer your demo progress to the full game, which is what I'm going to do. Uh, it has been interesting so far. That love, was love cool. Um, dragon quest choices looks interesting. I'm going to check out portal companion collection. I've ever owned portal. So I'd love to like play it so I can actually finish it. Harvest still looks good, even though I'm not personally into like uh, farming Sims, but there's enough else going on that. I might give it a try. Hopefully I get a demo and yeah, persona is finally coming to switch and I'm so happy Persona 3, 4, and 5, 5 is coming out at the end of October, October 24th, and then 3 and 4 is coming out on, uh, sometime in 2023, um, I would love to give those games a try, I have finished Persona 5, so I'm probably not gonna do it again on Switch, even if I support the release, but 3 and 4 I'll definitely play on Switch, because, uh, those are some long games, and they're both essentially portable games anyway, it literally, it's literally Persona 3 portable, so I feel like I have to play that on Switch, and then Persona 4 Golden was originally on Vita, so I'd love to play that on Switch as well. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Happy forward isn't forward.
0: it? Only on Golden.
2: Golden came to Steam last year. Oh, that doesn't count.
0: Ste- <laughs> Kelly stairs and Deckers like Steam doesn't count. <laughs> it, no, no, like I mean, like as far as like console, you know, releases. Oh, count. sure, yeah, no, it didn't.
2: Co- it didn't come out.
0: Any- okay, console wise, only play that on Vita.
2: Currently, yeah, but on sometime in 2023. All these games, by the way, are coming out everywhere, basically. They were originally like uh, uh, PlayStation exclusive, but yeah, they're coming out. Xbox, Switch, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, so the ones I was interested in was Little Noah Scion of Paradise. Looks super cute. Um And Live Alive, maybe, after I play the demo. Um, Portal, which is, like, great. If you have not played Portal, please go do so. I own it on Steam, actually, but I still have not been invited to buy a Steam Deck, so, you know, here we are. Um, Harvestella also looks super cute, so we'll see about that one. And, of course, I can finally play Persona 5 Royal on Switch. I've been waiting. A very long time to play Royal uh, because I'm trying to find time to have 100 hours to do so because that game is 100 plus hours long. Uh, kill me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, the Switch is the best place to do it. And um, I'll maybe finally finish playing Nier on PlayStation because I'm not starting over on Switch. But it's cool that it's come to Switch. Yes, yes. Oh, well, that it is! Uh, wrapping up at exactly that time. Wow, you we spent really an hour did it. And a half. With the HP Critical crew, it is probably going to be the best hour and a half of your week.
1: And Definitely. if it is not,
0: um, I apologize. Tell me next week and I'll make it up to you uh, by uh, or, doing or, very or
2: still,
0: nice. Or like having another podcast. Like, yeah, that, yeah, second time's a charm. This one didn't work for you. If it didn't do it for you this time, come back next week. Um, sooner, yeah. or later, sooner or later, you'll like us. He he he. There you go. As mentioned, um, we've got some new content up on H3critical.com. Please check out our video reviews, our impressions. Uh, there's a wonderful TMNT, um, impressions video also on our, um, YouTube as well. If you want to hear the beautiful dulcet tones of Kelly as she tells you about how awesome the gore is in Evil Dead, you can do that. If you want to hear Brandon talk about some awesome TMNT shit. And as he yells "Cowabunga" directly into your brainwaves, you can also directly,
2: go do that directly, directly.
0: Um, and if you want to read about all those things, you can also go do that on hbcritical.com. It's and it's, I- it's funny the
2: last the last three videos that we have on HB Like if you didn't get enough. Of our wonderful voices on this podcast, literally our last—you can hear the three of us are, are all Even there. more, <laughs> Kelly on Evil Dead, you and I in and the in uh, and, and, uh, the, the, the direct mini review, and me again in in Cal and Cow collection. This is not Cal
0: Bunga collection; that's a different game. Shutter's <laughs> revenge. The <bench. laughs> there you go. So if you haven't gotten enough of hearing us, you can hear us even more. Um, and we'll appreciate it. And we love you guys. And goodbye. Good night. Bye. Bye, everyone.